The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we today? This side's doing really well. This side's doing okay. That's no problem. Uh, hopefully online, you're doing well today, too. Thank you so much for tuning in from wherever you are, whether the comfort of your own house, your couch, maybe vacation somewhere, but I'm glad you're here today joining us online. My name is Aaron. If I've not had the chance to meet you yet, some of you are just like, yeah, you say this every time, Aaron. I know, but not everybody knows me. Um, so glad you're here today. I'm one of the pastors. I get to continue our series of Up Next Hope. It's kind of a Netflix vibe if you haven't picked that up. Uh, so we're kind of, the way I describe it is we're kind of binge reading through the book of Mark, uh, intentionally to work through as much as we can during the summer uh, because Mark is such a deep and rich text. Uh, so we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 today. So if you brought a Bible, we'd love for you to open it up and turn there. If you didn't bring a Bible, maybe you have it on your smartphone, we'd love for you to open up the Bible app there. If not, if none of those things cover you, I got you covered. The scripture will be on the screen behind me. Uh, you can read along with us as well. Before we go any further, I do want to make mention of this. I know Pastor Nick mentioned this last week, then we shot a video and sent it out this week uh, regarding our West Wing here. This is our old kids wing, if you've had any history with the Grove Church. Uh, currently, as of right now, I went in and peeked this morning. It is detached from this building. Uh, they have done all the work this week to prep it for demo. Uh, Pastor Nick thought it was actually going to happen in the next month or so when reality is going to happen this week. So uh, this week, our West Wing is actually coming down, and it's kind of a bittersweet moment to think about all of the memories and all of the history that has happened in that wing over the course of the Grove Church uh, in its life. Um, and so on one hand, it's really sad because I remember my first encounter with that wing was they had just finished the renovations about eight, nine years ago uh, to update it for our kids' space. And we had carnival in that wing. There was games everywhere. It was just this chaotic cluster uh, of, of compact people. Uh, but it was incredible to see all that God had done in that event and throughout the history of the Grove Church. And so on one hand, we're really sad to see it go because of all the memories and all the, the things that God has done. Uh, but it also provides us a step forward as we're dreaming about and continue to move forward into creating a new auditorium. Uh, because if you don't know this, we are a much larger church than this current gathering, uh, and so we want to create a space that we can accommodate more people having an opportunity to find a seat here at the Grove Church during one of our gatherings. And so that's coming down this week, so if you drive by Grove Street or 47th here and you see some construction happening, that's what's going on. Uh, I promise the sinkhole did not eat the West Wing. Uh, I promise nothing bad happened, but it is uh, what we would call progress in some respects. So we just continue to thank you for your prayerfulness as we Continue to dream about, God, where are you taking us and what do you want to do? And building this new auditorium, we're, we're looking for God to provide in so many ridiculously amazing ways. So uh, but that is happening. I just want to make sure you're aware of that. Um, I'm going to come back. My family, we're taking some vacation this next week. I'm going to come back and it's going to be gone. Uh, so I don't even get to watch it happen. But it's exciting times to be here. So I uh, just want to let you know that. Uh, Mark chapter 4, we're in this series called Up Next Hope. Uh, and so we're going to read um, a portion of this passage. And I'll be honest with you, Mark chapter 4 provides a first glimpse in this gospel with some of Jesus' teachings. And one of the ways that Jesus provided and taught was through a thing called a parable. If you don't know what a parable is, that's okay. But it's simply a story to communicate a spiritual truth about the kingdom of God in a way that those who are not ready for direct revelation, if I can say it that way, as one of my commentators has said it, that they're not ready for the depth of the truth, 
a parable allows them a glimpse to start wrestling through spiritual truths, through kingdom principles. Uh, and so we find in Mark chapter four, the bulk of the chapter addresses and handles a lot of Jesus's parables, um, or at least the bulk of the parables in the book of Mark, not a lot of Jesus's parables, but the bulk of the parables in, in Mark is in the chapter four. And so I'm not gonna, I don't have time to work through all of them. Uh, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit one that's very familiar to many of us. Uh, maybe you've not read this passage before, but that's okay because you're gonna hear it today and it's gonna be fun. Uh, we're talking about the parable of the sower and the seed and the soils. Uh, and before we jump into this passage, I just want to highlight a couple of things. First off, Jesus was speaking to a very agrarian society. What I mean by that is it's agriculture and farming was a big, uh, a big part of Palestinian life. Uh, and so when Jesus is speaking through this parable of the sower, he's talking in a manner that individuals who are sitting there on the shore listening to him speak from a boat begin to visualize and understand, which is what good storytellers do. They paint a picture for you. Uh, so Jesus paints a picture that these individuals could then resonate and understand with uh, as he's leading them through a conversation. Uh, and so that even for us today, as you, we read through this passage, you might begin to start seeing some pictures in your mind about gardening and planting because some of us understand gardening better than others. Any green thumbs in the room today? A couple of us, maybe online you're a green thumb. Here's the one thing I know about gardening. It's not for me, um, just to be fair. Uh, it's not, it, I just don't have... Um, some would say the work ethic for it, I guess. But uh, gardening is, is one of the things that I enjoy the fruit of the labor, pun intended. Uh, I don't enjoy the labor. Um, and so Jesus is speaking to an audience that understands this conversation about farming, about gardening, about sowing seed. Um, and there's a lot of work because if we're going to be honest, having a healthy lawn or garden requires hard work. And Jesus addresses some of these conversations that relate to our spiritual well-being in Mark chapter four. So I'm gonna read it and then we'll pray and I'll share a couple thoughts with us. It says this in Mark chapter four, verse one through nine. It says, again, he began to teach by the sea and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea, sat down while the whole crowd was, on, was uh, on the, by the sea on the shore. He taught them many things in parables and in, in his teaching, this is what he said. So picture this for a second. Large crowd is hanging out with Jesus. He recognizes it's way too big and he's getting pushed back into the water. So rather than walk, stand in the water, he jumps in a little boat, pushes out a bit and sits down. And then he has a conversation. He says this, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away continues on where he says, oh, uh, I just missed it. When it, the sun came, other seed fell among the thorns. There it is. And the thorns came up and choked it and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on the good ground and it grew up producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and a hundred times. Then he said that anyone who has ears, listen. Jump to verse 13 for me. This is right after the disciples who uh, are Jesus' closest followers, but it doesn't just, just it doesn't say to the 12. It actually also includes those who are around Jesus. Asks a simple question. What does this even mean? Jesus, you're speaking in ways that's confusing. You're trying to teach us something, but you're talking about the seed and the soil and this hard path and the farmer. I don't get it. And so Jesus, in one respect, I'm thankful for the disciples showing that because there's always times that I don't understand things and I'm like, God, can you help me? Uh, and he's so faithful, but it's also revealing that God intends us to wrestle through truth for those of us who are following Christ. He wants us to understand what he's conveying. 
And he says this in verse 13, he says, then he said to them after this question, obviously, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. We see the word is the seed, right? So the seed that's being thrown is the word. He says that some are like the words sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the words sown in them, refers them to the birds. Then he says this, and other seed are like the seeds sown on the rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution becomes, comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Let's pray today for God's word. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to gather here in the building or even wherever we're at online. Lord, we thank you that your word is alive and active, Lord, that it's meant to, to challenge and pierce our hearts. And so, Lord, today, would you simply speak to us, help us to wrestle through the text, help us to understand how it relates to us today, even if we're not farmers. God, I pray you would give us your clarity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are a few things I want to hit on before we jump into the explanation of, uh, of the relevancy for you and I today. The first thing that I want to focus on is this, this. In verses 1 through 9, you see the focus is on the farmer, the one who's sowing seed. The individual who's sowing seed in this story, in this illustration, is God, right? It's Jesus himself sitting in the boat casting seed, which is the word, which Jesus again refers to and answers in verse 13. So we know that the farmer is the one who's sowing seed. God is the one who's giving us his word. Jesus is the one speaking and teaching his word. If you remember last week, Pastor Nick was talking about the teachings of Jesus. They will collide with our lives, and we're supposed to be in a position where we're willing to give way, as Pastor Nick used the boating reference, for the stand, I think it's a standalone vehicle, the vessel. We need to give way to the priority and truth of Jesus' word when it collides with our lives. So Jesus is the one sowing seed with the word of truth that you and I are then called to yield to. And how we yield is based upon the soil of our hearts, the condition of our hearts. The second thing I want to highlight real quick is the sowing seed is deliberate and intentional. My wife and I recently ended up buying strawberry plants, a raspberry bush, because they come in a bush now. I didn't realize that. Uh, so we bought a little potted bush that would sell it because my wife loves raspberries. My kids love fruit. Um, and so we bought strawberry plants, we bought a raspberry bush, and we bought blueberry bush. And here's the one thing I'll, I'll tell you. I, don't, I didn't plant these things. Well, quick, pause. My wife didn't plant these things hoping we don't get fruit, right? No one plants something in the ground saying, you know what? I, I so love having these raspberry plants, but I just hope I don't get raspberries. You know, I, this, this apple tree, I'm going to plant it in my ground because it looks pretty, but I just hope I don't get apples. No one plants something in the ground with the intention of not wanting fruit from it, Right? Maybe you do today, and I, I don't know if, I don't know if that's biblical, but um, here's the thing I know. The seed was sown intentionally and deliberately, intentionally to produce fruit. The desire of the word of God is to produce fruit in your life and in my life and the world around us. God is deliberate in his sowing of seed. Now, here's what else I used to think when I was reading this passage. As a kid, I used to think, uh, I have a, a weed and feed little hand turner, churner that throws it all over my yard. So after I mow, I want a green lawn. I do this work where I'm walking up and down, up and down, up and down, just trying to kick out as much as I can to help my grass stay green. 
my picture of understanding this is this is the sower just throwing seed and it some happens to fall on a hard path. Some happens to fall on rocky soil. Some happens to fall in thorns. And then some so happens to land in good soil. It's this picture of deliberate, it's a deliberate sowing of seed. So in other words, this picture for me is that God who is the farmer who's sowing the seed, who's sowing the truth of Christ, who's sowing the word is intentionally throwing it in places that may not receive it. Here's the thing. If God is a good father, why would he put seeds somewhere where it's not going to produce fruit? Because God's desires for everyone to have access to the truth, to the hope. God's desires for you and for me, no matter the condition of my, my heart or your heart today, that we would hear God's word and there would be fruitfulness to be bared from the heart of our lives. God desires everyone to have access. Those people you know that they just reject, you give them some kind of hope, some kind of truth, share the hope of Jesus with them. No, I'm, not, I'm good. Jesus doesn't select specifically, hey, I only want good soil. If you've got rocky soil, thorny soil, if you've got, if you've got a heart that's not conditioned and ready to receive, I'm not interested. I found this interesting in Palestine, when they would sow seed, when they would throw seed out, they actually plowed after the seed was thrown. When I always grew up, like you get a hole and then put seed in the hole and cover back. They would throw seed on the ground, then bring a plow afterwards to then cut it into the ground. The intention of the farmer and God who loves us like a good father, our intention should mirror creating access for people to have the hope of Jesus that we ourselves say we cling to. Jesus was deliberate and intentional with where he planted seed because his desire for you, for me, for your neighbor, for that driver who got angry at you this morning, from your kids who like to yell at you this morning, his desire for the truth is that it would produce fruit in our lives. Well, what fruit am I talking about? Apples and oranges and pears. No, I'm just kidding. I'm talking about Galatians 5. I'm talking about where it talks about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Like you just said that really quick. 522, Galatians 522. But it doesn't just stop there. It stops in the way we live our lives. How are we mirroring self-sacrifice? How are we mirroring serving our, our, our fellow man? How are we serving our neighbors? The fruit that Jesus desires is one that would model and mimic his life. That only can happen when the seed of his word is trans, being not just received in our hearts, but then growing and producing fruit. See, Jesus deliberately plants the word. He has given us his word for a purpose of fruitfulness. The final thing I want to say before I jump into the quick descriptions of these soils is remember, this is a story. It's a parable Jesus is using to evoke an image and an understanding in a way that you and I could grasp. One of the commentaries I read this week says this. He went at first to how Jesus was teaching. It says he did this in order to help them, meaning the audience, understand by means of a veiled confrontation with truth. I love that picture. It was a, his gracious way to stimulate their thinking and awaken their spiritual perception. The crowd was not ready for direct revelation. Jesus taught in parables to bring us to a very veiled confrontation with truth so that it would stimulate our spiritual perception. 
This was Jesus' intention with the parables. He's sitting in this boat, teaching a multitude via a parable for the sole purpose of drawing us to a position of wrestling with spiritual truth, with kingdom principles. So he jumps into the four soils. He explains there's this pathway. There's this hard beaten path that when the seed is thrown out, it bounces around, the birds come in, swoop and eat it, and they fly off. He says the rocky ground, seed takes root immediately and quickly grows up, but with the same degree of how quickly it grew up, it also withered because of the sun, because of hardship and trials. Third soil was thorny. Grew up, thorns grew up with it, choked the life out of it. It didn't produce fruit. And then finally he says there's good ground where the seed produced fruit 30, 60, and 100 times. So I wanna take some time to work through this conversation. See, verses one through nine present a, a conversation. Then the conversation shifts in verse 13 to 20 where it no longer focuses on the one sowing the seed and now focuses on the soil's reception of God's word, of the seed. And this is where I believe it connects directly to Pastor Nick's message, as I've already alluded to, where Jesus' will and teaching will collide with our world, with our lives. And we're called to give way to the truth of Jesus' word, to the truth of Jesus' teaching. The way that we can accomplish that is through having the right soil, the right condition of our hearts. So even though Pastor Nick asked a, a cheesy question about giving way, I'm going to ask another cheesy question. Is how's the soil of your heart today? As we navigate these words, my hope is that question would ring into your mind and in your heart in navigating each of these soils. The first soil he talks about is this pathway soil. It's, it's this pathway of an individual who's busy and has got a lot of work to do. And if you're anything like me when I've got a lot of work to do, oftentimes I put my head down, figuratively speaking, I don't walk around like this, but I put my head down and I'm grinding, I'm just working, I'm moving, I'm going from point A to point B to point C to point D as fast as I can to get stuff done. And what Jesus is referring to is this individual has a hard beaten path, that the soil of his heart or her heart that's hard beaten is an individual who's so busy, who's so uh, motivated by getting stuff done that they don't have time to stop. If you've ever hiked the trail, you see a very hard beaten path where everyone goes because the foot traffic is unending there. It's hard, it's, 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 it's very firm because of all of the traffic. Jesus is painting the picture of the individual who has this soil in their heart. It's because they don't have time to pause and rest. They don't stop to contemplate the truth that is given. There have been moments in my life where I've been moving from point A to point B, sometimes because my kids are demanding my attention. And in the moments of God's grace, he re reminds me as I'm getting stressed out and I'm getting annoyed, which I know never happens to you guys, but always me, that I'm getting overwhelmed by my kids and dad, dad, dad I need you, dad. I'm like, oh my goodness, babe, you're up. That there's moments where God's like, hey, remember, they're, they're a blessing for me. Hey, kids are a reward. Why did you reward me with this? <laughs> and it's in those moments that I'm overwhelmed and I'm stressed and I'm going from one point to another that I, I don't take time to stop. Okay, you're right, Lord. My kids are a blessing for me. Baby girl, what do you need? Hey, kid, what do you need, bud? You want to snuggle? Okay, let's snuggle. My, kid, my Gideon is a snuggler of my family. And he's a hot box too. So when I snuggle him, I know I'm going to sweat. But it's this picture that you're so focused on work or you're so busy with work that you don't stop to contemplate what God is saying. Let me paint it a different way. 
you come to a gathering like this. You come in, you get your coffee, you walk in, you say hi to a couple people, you find your seat, your seat, your, your seat. Don't anybody sit in your seat. That's not biblical. The Bible doesn't talk about having seats. Anyways, you come in, you grab your seat. You know the worship team, okay, here's the countdown. Okay, three more minutes. I can endure this. Okay, worship team, you stand up. Worship team leads you, introduce, hey, thanks so much for being here. They sing a lot better than I can, so I'm not going to. You sing some songs. You know there's a video announcement. Now there's some guy talking in the middle of the gathering, which is weird, but it happens. It's not what it was before. Then there's another video. Then some guy gets up and Pastor Nick would say he yells at you. I don't think I yell, but I do talk a lot and talk fast. So I talk a lot and talk fast. And then you wait for the song at the end of the dismissal because you got lunch plans. Or maybe it's a beautiful day. It's like, man, it's hot. I'm gonna go enjoy the lake. Or you know what? I got gardening I gotta do because you just remind me there's a lot of weeds I haven't pulled yet that I need to make sure I pull. But we get to the point where it's, we move on from one thing to another. We check our boxes. Man, that was a good gathering. Man, Aaron, you did a really good job. Thanks for, thanks for being encouraging. And we walk away without stopping for a minute and realizing when we gather together, it's not meant to just be a checklist item, but it's meant to be a moment of a pausing, of walking in. When we hear songs we sing where we just stop and we say, God, you're so good to me. When we stop and we, we listen to the lyrics, maybe you don't know the songs that we sing and that's okay. Listen to the lyrics, they're intentional. But we get so much caught up in our fast paced check, 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 check box we forget that God wants to encourage us, that God wants to speak to us, that God wants to challenge us because he wants fruitfulness in our lives. But we're so busy. We got things that's, come on, Aaron, you got to speed up because you're running out of time. We get so caught up that we forget to pause. We don't contemplate the truth of God's word. Let me ask this question. When was the last time God moved you? When was the last time something was said or a song was sung that just brought you to a moment of silence where you're just like, oh, that's deep? When was the last time that there was something that God did that stirred a, and evoked a verbal response of, God, you're so good to me? I try to practice this on a regular basis with where we moved. I'm so thankful for where God moved me, where I get this incredible picture when the sun is setting. My wife came in the other night and said, did you see the sunset yet? It's like, no, the blinds are closed because there's a house below that looks right into our master bedroom. So like, we're going to keep those shut. But she comes by and opens it, and it's just gorgeous. And I try to when I see something that's beautiful. There's pictures in my office, and I said this before in years, years past. There's pictures in my office that evoke a response out of me. Of like, God, your creation is amazing. When was the last time God stirred your heart in a manner that caused you to stop, to pause and reflect on his goodness, on his mercy, on his provision, on his comfort in the midst of hardship, on his peace in the midst of difficulty? When was the last time? Because this is what Jesus is referring to when it comes to a hard beaten path that we get so focused on what's in front of us that we forget when the Holy Spirit speaks. Yes, Lord. I love the book of Psalms because it has a word in there called Selah, which is meant to be a reflective response to stop and think, to stop and worship. When was the last time? Because as our heart, as the soil of our hearts get hard, 
oftentimes the way God softens it is through bringing a plow of hardship or difficulty. It's not God causing hardship, but God allowing hardship sometimes to bring us back to a point of frustration, a point out of frustration to him, out of desperation, out of brokenness, saying, God, I just need you today. When was the last time we were able to stop and contemplate God's mercy over each and every one of us? He continues on, Jesus does, and talks about this rocky ground. And it's this picture of someone who receives the word, receives the truth joyfully, that they go out rejoicing, celebrating God's so good, only then to be met with opposition. In Palestine, the soil sometimes was only so shallow because there was a bedrock underneath it of just lime, stone, limestone. There's just this, and so the, the roots would grow deep, or not grow deep, they'd grow quickly. A seed would grow quickly as well. And then when hardship came, when the sun showed up, it would wither because the roots could not sustain it in the midst of hardship. It's this picture that refers to you and I as we not just hear God's truth or someone hears God's truth for the first time, they go out, they receive it joyfully only to then be met with opposition. Well, wait a minute. I thought that if I said yes to Jesus, my life would become easy. No, your life would be filled with peace. Difference. But I thought when I said yes to Jesus to go to this place where he tells me to go, that my life would be full of good things. It would be full. Sometimes hardship. But full of me because I'm with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus point blank said, I believe in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Our source, our fulfillment, our satisfaction exists in the person of Jesus, not in our present circumstances. But how often do we fall victim to thinking that if I say yes to this, it's going to make my life easier. And we wither and fade when hardship comes. We wither and fade when opposition hits us. When it didn't play out the way we thought it would. Or people stand in opposition and say, and say you believe in that? That's a joke. Only weak-minded people believe in Jesus. Jesus is painting a picture. Where are our roots showing the, the, the weakness of them in the midst of disappointment? in the midst of hardship, in the midst of trials? Where do we find in our hearts that the soil is not as deep as we need it to be? We must fight through those disappointments and cling to truth. That God, this isn't working out the way you said it was, but I believe as I heard you speak to me, I wanna be obedient to you. So no matter what comes, I'm holding on to your truth that is meant to transform and produce fruit in my life. Where are you finding and navigating disappointments and hardship? And where are you finding yourself fading away? Because it's time to re-up on the truth of what God spoke to you. Jesus continues on. He doesn't stop there. He talks about this thorny soil. He throws soil or seed down into soil. Have you ever sent your kid out to do some weeding for you in a garden area? Those of you who have gardens? You know why this isn't a good idea? Because they don't weed. 
the weeds. They pull the weeds. They don't dig the root out and pop it out. That takes way too much time. But if I can take a lawnmower and trim it down as close as I can, then pull it off the top. So when you look at it, it's, oh, it looks so gorgeous. The problem is, and we see this even with Jesus, is that the thorns that were there were not on top of the soil and they didn't show up until there was growth from the seed. It says, as the, thorn, as the seed grew, thorns grew up with it and it choked the life of the seed out of it. It's interesting to note that the seed still grew, just wasn't fruitful. See, Jesus' concern is, is not with growth, it's with fruitfulness. You can be a small little shrub, but have so much fruit because of what God's word is doing in you. Or you can be this really tall bush with no fruit. Jesus cursed a fig tree that didn't produce fruit when it was supposed to. I'm not saying he's going to curse you. I'm just saying the goal is fruitfulness. And the, the thorns were not exposed until the vine grew, the seed grew. Grew. Now, what are the thorns? I'm glad you asked that. Jesus answers this question. He says, the thorns are this, the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and then the desires for other things. The worries of this age, what worries you? My wife and I were talking the other day. It was kind of funny. She was like, I never had fear until I had kids because now I'm not just responsible for my life and loving my wife. And she's not just responsible for her life and loving her husband, she does a great job of it. But now we're responsible for raising these kids. Lord, you said these are a blessing? They're evoking fear and concern from the world around them. Who's that guy talking to my daughter? Who's that? What friends do you have? Who, who, tell me more about them. It evokes this anxiousness. I don't know if you've experienced, maybe it's just me because I'm a new parent, uh, eight years going strong. My daughter still loves me. But there's this crazy tension that exists and there's worries that creep in. Maybe you're a business owner and there's certain worries that exist. Maybe you're a grandparent and, you're, and your kids and your grandkids are not following Jesus. Maybe you're having to face integrity issues or compromises within the workplace you're a part of. What worries you right now? Where are you deceived that wealth and more money is going to provide security and joy and hope and fulfillment, and you're able to then gather people around you? The deceitfulness of wealth will choke the life out of you and hinder fruitfulness in your life. And then I love that Jesus says this, desires for other things. So in other words, anxiety and worry, wealth, and everything else. Jesus covers a very wide-angled reality that all of us face. Which then leads me to this question, where do you find fruitfulness in your life being hindered? Where do you find you're losing patience? You're losing hope and joy? What is choking the life out of you? That you may still be here and attending, you may still have faith in Christ, you may still love Jesus as much as you can, but the fruitfulness of that is not existent in your life. What thorns are choking the life out of the fruit, out of the seed in your hearts? And then finally, he hits on good soil, which is receptive to truth. And then it says this, that it produces 30, 60, 100 times more than its investment. 
thing I love about the good soil is there's abundant fruit. There's an exponential return, not just in my life, but what I'm able to give freely to the world around me. Galatians 5, fruit of the spirit. Ephesians 2.10, we're called for good works. We're called to lay down our lives, not just for our spouses, but for one another. The good works, the fruitfulness that God is calling us to hinges on our receptiveness of his truth spoken to us. Because as we bear fruit, we then share freely with the world around us. Here's the tension. If you want to be fruitful, it takes work. But the, the return, the fruit produces 30, 60, 100 times. And it's worth it. The band is going to lead us in a song called Build My Life. And there's a statement here that I want to read, and it just says this, that the depth of our soil is revealed in the last moment of obedience to God's word. How deep our soil is is revealed on the last time that we said yes, no matter what, to Jesus. And we did what he was asking us to do. How's the soil of your heart today? The band's going to lead us in this song. And whether you're here in person or maybe you're tuning in online, Here's my question. Where is the Holy Spirit poking you? Is there some hard spots in your heart because you've been so busy and preoccupied with doing this or accomplishing this or working towards this that the Holy Spirit, maybe this is the one moment you've had in the last week or the last month where you're caused to pause and reflect just for a moment. Like, Lord, is my heart becoming hard in certain places? Where he's poking and saying, hey, there's some things here that I need you to understand. My grace is sufficient for you. Then your weakness, my power is made perfect. But maybe today is the first day in a while you're going to pause. And you're going you're gonna to raise your hands in surrender and say, Lord, I need you to do work on my soil or my heart because it's hard. And I want to know your love. I want to be stirred by your truth. Because there's a world around us that needs hope. And we need hope. Maybe, maybe you're one of the ones who has rocky soil. Maybe you've received the word of God. Maybe you've followed him for a season and things have gotten hard, so you're starting to fall away. You're starting to give up on what you first knew was true. As I sing a song, I, guarantee, I challenge you to respond. God, forgive me for wandering. Forgive me for clinging to things outside of your truth. Maybe you're the individual with thorny soil. There's things around you that are distracting you from trusting in the provision of a good heavenly father. Maybe you're here today and you, for the most part, have good soil. I will tell you this, you don't have perfect soil because we're still here breathing. And our world is, is mired with sin and brokenness and God is still working on us to bring it to completion when we stand before him. I'm gonna have you stand with me for a moment. And I just wanna ask a question. But before I do wanna read this quote from a, a an editor named Kent Hughes. He says this, that God confronts us with his truth, but if we do not positively respond to it, we will lose it. We must respond to truth. So can I just ask real quick, if you're in this room and you would say, man, I I've got some responding to do, that the Holy Spirit's poking me in a spot, can you just put your hand up? I'm not gonna ask you to do anything more than that. My hand's raised too. I'm gonna pray and then they're gonna lead us in a song of worship and response. So Lord, today we thank you 
for your word. We thank you that, God, even as I'm reminded, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It leads us to a point of acknowledgement saying, God, I need you. That there's hard spots in my heart, Lord. That there's thorny spots in my heart, Lord. That there's rocky soil that is, is hindering my ability to stand firm in the midst of hardship. And Jesus, we need you today to remind us of your hope, to remind us of your truth. Lord, I pray today for those who have even raised their hands, whether here or their home, and they're recognizing that they need to respond. God, I pray that as, this, as the band leads us in worship for a moment, God, that we would have a full, honest confession saying, God, I'm broken and I need you. And God, I pray that your joy and your mercy and your hope would flood our hearts and our lives, and we would find ourselves with clear next steps of what should we do. God, I pray you would lead us to a point of obedience. God, if it's laying something down, if it's, it's giving up a season for a season certain things, God, I pray you would lead us to a point of decision that you would keep our hearts and the soil of our hearts conditioned to receive your truth. I thank you today for your grace, and I thank you today that you are a loving, good Father, and I pray over the next few moments you would minister to our hearts, help us to walk out in confidence and in obedience. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.